Hi, this is Tony Enzer, President and General Manager of your Amarillo Assad Poodles, and you're listening to Tom Talks Baseball. Welcome back. Another edition of the Tom Talks Baseball Podcast. Glad you found us once again. As always, you can like us on Facebook, Tom Talks Baseball Podcast. Follow us on Twitter at Tom Talks BBP. Getting closer and closer to the start of the Major League Baseball season and the Minor League Baseball season. we got games taking place now in Arizona and Florida, so that's nice to see. I'm Tom Young, joined as always by David Lovejoy. How you doing, sir? All right. How you doing today, Tom? Doing just fine. And excited about this one today yes. because we missed out on it last year uh, with all that was going on with COVID-19. No minor league baseball, no saw poodles baseball, we, but we are going to get it in 2021. May 4th is the opener. May 18th is the home opener. And it's time to get to know more about your new saw poodles team now in Arizona Diamondbacks affiliate. So let's start with the main man in the dugout. How about the manager himself, Sean Roof, uh, entering his fifth year in the Diamondbacks organization, his first at the AA level, uh, played minor league baseball from uh, 2007 to 2012, mainly in the Tigers organization, and is now going to be your manager of the Amarillo Sawpoodles. Sean joins us today. Sean, how are you doing this morning? Man, I'm doing great, guys. I really appreciate you uh, having me on, and I'm going to enjoy this talk. Yeah, I think it's going to be a lot of fun today. Now, now, first of all, where are you at right now? I'm up in uh, Fairview, Pennsylvania, just outside of uh, Erie, Pennsylvania, just freezing my bottom off right now. <laughs> <laughs> you, you're not in Arizona with, with, with the Diamondbacks getting ready. You're, you're up there in, in, in Pennsylvania. And uh, how much snow you got on the ground? We're actually lucky. We just we had about 10 inches uh, up until a couple of days ago. It all melted, and then we got a little dusting right now. So we can actually see some grass. It almost is uh, baseball season here. <laughs> yeah, <they're, laughs> get, get, get the bats and the gloves out. Let, let's, let's play some ball. But uh, th- tell us a little bit about yourself, Sean. I know a lot of people around here, you know, th- they like to get to know the players and the, the managers and the coaches that put on that Saw Poodles uniform. Uh, tell us about life growing up, and, and when did you realize that baseball was going to be a big part of your life? Yeah, so I pretty much, I grew up in a baseball family. My dad is the baby of 10. Um, there's nine boys and a girl. They grew up on a farm, but uh, five of them signed professional baseball contracts. Um, and there's a sixth one that was probably the best of all, they said, but he blew out his knee at a, at a tryout camp. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think they tied the Alou brothers for having the most siblings in uh, professional baseball. So wow. that's kind of cool. So just grew up in a, in a big uh, baseball family. So uh, my dad uh, played in the major leagues. My uncle played in the major leagues. So um, a lot of baseball in our in our blood. Um, every time we get, have family get together, all we do is talk baseball, play wiffle ball, uh, all those all those things. So um, just you know, growing up from from a young age, my dad, whenever he would go out and travel around, wherever he was managing at, we'd go up there with him for the summer. And uh, I was very fortunate and very lucky to uh, get the opportunity. When he would go to the field every day to go to work, you know, I put that in quotation marks because it really doesn't work, but uh, we got to go to the field with him. We got to uh, take batting practice with the players. We got to take ground balls. Um, we got to be on the field with him, sit in the dugout during the game. So, you know, I was just constantly around the game. Um, got a lot of opportunities a lot of kids just could only dream of. And that was just the norm for us. Um, so grew up there and then, you know, just, just loving the game. Um, got a chance to, you know, as I got older, we stayed home in Kentucky and we did not travel as much with my dad, but uh, we'd always go out in the summer for a couple of weeks, but started playing at a young age, uh, went through high school, um, out of high school, went to the University of Illinois, um, played four years there and uh, enjoyed my time in Champaign-Urbana 
and then got a chance to get drafted by the Tigers, like you said, and uh, spent about five years in minor league baseball just kind of trolling around on the buses and, and loved every minute of it. Like, was there a point when you were playing, you know, and you are playing, you know, ball at the U of I where you're like, I might actually be able to be a pro at this. Like, was there like a, like, like a moment where someone either approached you and said, hey, you're actually pretty good. You might be able to make some money off this game. Or, or was it just something that just happened unexpectedly? Well, you know, I, I, I probably was a little naive growing up. I thought I was a first rounder, you know, growing up in, in, <laughs> in middle school and in high school. I was the first rounder. I was going to make millions of dollars and um, I was going to be a Hall of Famer. And then uh, the draft didn't happen out of high school. I went to college and after my first fall, I was like, holy cow, I'm not as good as I thought I was. Like, there's some boys that can really play some baseball. <laughs> and so um, it took me a couple of years to kind of uh, get my confidence going. And once I did, um, I think it was about my junior year, I realized, hey, this this is a chance. There's an opportunity here. Um, as long as I could keep working, um, the staff at Illinois really helped me develop, and um, they did a lot for me. And you know, got a chance to go out and play some college summer ball. When I when I started going out and playing some, with some guys around the country, um, set, playing some big time talent uh, out there, I started realizing that you know, hey, I belong on this field with with these guys, and uh, you know, maybe I'll get an opportunity and, and see where it goes. And, and you were able to play some minor league baseball for a little bit. Tell us about your time in minor league baseball. You, you were mainly with the Detroit Tiger organization. Um, you did have a small stint in AAA where you actually killed it, it looked like, for a little bit. Like, Did you think during that AAA stint that you were this close to finally cracking a major league roster? I actually had a dream the night before that I was getting called in the office to get called up. You know, again, I was a little naive. You know, I thought I was going to get a September call up, but uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I was kind of always a utility guy. I was was uh, you know probably the twenty fourth or twenty fifth man on the roster. Um, just one of those guys that could you know spell a guy here or there at any position. Um, I don't I don't think I was ever really close, but uh, you know you you fought like like crazy to try to get there, but. Uh, you know, this, the, the minor leagues for me was probably a little bit different than a lot of people. My dad was a outfield base running coordinator with the Tigers, and so he'd been with the Tigers since I was probably two years old. Oh, so wow. I grew up in that. I grew up in that organization. I was a Tiger fan. I, I bled navy blue and orange. You know, um, <laughs> we were not allowed to like any other teams in Major League Baseball. I mean, they put food on our table, and so like I was, I was a, I was a Tiger lifer. So. When I got there, a lot of the coaches, a lot of the, the the staff members there, I had known since I was a young kid. So it was pretty much like going to hang out with your your uncles, your siblings. It was like a family reunion. So there was numerous times. And then my brother got drafted by the Tigers as well. So there was one year that we actually played like two weeks together in Lakeland, Florida. Oh, wow. and we actually were fighting in the dugout. Yeah, him and I were fighting <laughs> in the dugout. And <laughs> Keep the brother separated. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean I – mean, Anybody else, you probably get suspended, but you know it was us, and they just laughed. They thought it was hilarious. But, um, we had a great time. Uh, you know, we had a great time. Dad was coaching first base. You know, I think there was one game that I think I was four for five. He was three for four. No, yeah, three for four, and we had like seven RBIs in a win. So that was really cool. We got to play a big league spring training game one time together. Um, he drove in two runs to, to beat the Astros two to one, and Dad coached first base. So, oh, wow. you know, my, my time in the minor leagues was 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 awesome. I loved every minute of it. The you know, people call it the grind and everything like this. Like it was never a grind. It was just I was so lucky to have that opportunity. Met so many great people um, around the country and around the world. But uh, then to do it on top of that with your brother and your dad, I mean, it was I mean, it was as special as it comes. Let me ask you this: uh, the fight with you and your brother, you you didn't get called to the commissioner's office. You got called to your mom's office, didn't you? <laughs> your, your mom said, "Both come in here and sit down." 
Bingo. We, we would rather the commissioner I'll call us in there. Mom, yeah. mom was, was a, mom's a tough cookie. She didn't let anything, anything happen, or she didn't let anything happen to her little little baby brother of mine. But uh, no, it was it was great. Uh, he got a, a broken bat base hit. I was like, hey, good swing, and he's like, that's not a good swing. We started going on, going at it. You know, you're like shut your pile. I'm just imagining that yeah. the, the manager yeah. calls your mom and says, come here and knock some sense yeah, into yeah. these two. This is getting out of hand. Learn how you to know? take a compliment. You know, that's it. Let me ask you exactly. I mean, in baseball, in all sports, you've been an athlete most of your life. Uh, it's it's about competition. You drive to win. You prepare to win. You think about winning. Now, when you come to managing uh, A, Double A, Triple A baseball, it's more about development. Uh, you want to win, mm-hmm. but you're trying to get that player to the next level. How do you kind of weigh that seesaw of I want you to put out your best performance day in day out? But I also want to see you making marked improvements up the ladder as we go. Yes, it's it's really tough because everybody, you know, at the heart of it is a competitor. They want to win. Um, and so, you know, at the end of the day, you know your job is to develop these guys and get them to the big leagues. And we had a GM a couple of years ago say, hey, I don't care if you win a single game this year. If you get multiple players ready for the next level, that's what it's about. And at the end of the day, you really have to keep that in, in the in the forefront of your brain, your thoughts, and what you're doing. But uh, I also feel like there is a balancing act with it that not only are you trying to develop these guys, but you also have to help them learn to win. Uh, I think it's, I think, you know, talking to a lot of people, it's probably really tough to learn to win at the big league level because there's so much pressure. Um, there's 50,000 fans every single night. If you don't do well, you're getting sent right back to the minor leagues and they'll bring someone else to take your job. So I think uh, part of that development plan, and we've talked about that a lot, is you have to teach these guys to win. They have to learn to win as a team. They have to t- be less selfish. They have to be war- more worried about the team mm-hmm. um, and, and understand that if you do things to help the team win on a, on a uh, night-to-night basis, at the end of the year, your stats are probably going to be where you want it to be. If you take that pressure outside of you and, and use it more towards the team mm-hmm. um, and you let your teammates help you, um, your stats are going to be where you want it to be at the end of the year, and you're probably going to do some damage and get moved up to the next level. So um, it is a balancing act. There's nights where uh, – you know, there's weeks where you go 0 and 7, you lose seven straight games, and, and you're freaking out. But you get four guys called in the office, and they get sent to the next level, and you know, you you realize, hey man, we're on the right path right now. Within the game itself, you know, like we see at the major league level, situational managing, you know, maybe a pinch hitter here, depending on what this, you know, if there's a runner on second base in a tight ball game and all that stuff. And I know the Diamondbacks probably have a certain agenda they want you to follow because the part of the goal is developing these players. How much are you allowed as a manager of a minor league baseball team to play situations uh, based on how the game is going? And as you move up, do you get a little bit more responsibility the closer you get to the big league level? Well, it, it, it's again, it just kind of depends on the on the players. You know, okay. um, some guys can be pinch hit for, some guys are not allowed to be pinch hit for. Some guys, you know, even though they have blown four saves in the last four nights. They have to get and run back out there and try to just to close the game. The next opportunity there is, so um, you got to put those guys in those situations. The only way for them to succeed is to have those experiences and and, and learn to be able to breathe and, and and be in those spots where the the game is on the line. So um, yes, you you know you probably sometimes have better players on the bench um, to come in and, and do the job, but who knows what guys are going to end up ultimately getting to the big league? So they have to have those opportunities. Um, 
You know, it'll be, the, be my first year in Double A. Um, this will be the first year that I'll be doing with the uh, the National League rules and the double switches. So mm-hmm. there will be a little bit more responsibilities going on with that. Um, as far as as far as the responsibilities, as far as the organization, I, I haven't heard much about you know things are changing. But what I what I would imagine is we're going to continue to prepare, get our players, uh, try, try to develop our players for the next level, um, and still do it the same way. I don't think the levels really change. Um, obviously, we might have some 40-man roster guys, so mm-hmm. some things would be a little bit different how you uh, deal with those guys. But um, at the end, it's baseball's baseball. I don't think it really matters what level you're at. Um, you're just trying to get these guys better and uh, ultimately get them to the big leagues. So trying to get the guys better, of course, one of the big goals. But, you know, last year was a different year. He didn't play any games, didn't have a chance to, weren't able to to get with the guys, at least I don't think, to uh, to develop the way you normally would like to. I know uh, we had a, a virtual press conference where uh, player development director Josh Barfield uh, was on, and we learned a little bit about some of the stuff they tried to do um, since they weren't able to play games. Uh, what was your role last year since uh, you weren't able to play those games? Were, were you still a big part of the organization, or did, did they go kind of a different route because of COVID? Yeah, it was it was definitely a tough year on development, but, you know, our, our players did a great job. Um, they, were in, they were in facilities, they were out on the field, um, you know, getting to work in, in the weight room, uh, defensively, uh, on the mound, at the plate, all those things. And, and we just... We uh we would call them weekly and to see how things were going. Um, everybody took about ten kids. Uh, you call them, see how things were going. Was there any issues? Um, they just kind of explain what their work was going. And um, the pitchers, if they had the ability to have any technology with Rap Soto or uh, TrackMan or anything like that, they would send their uh, data into our pitching coaches. Um, same thing with the hitters, if they had any data there. Um, what's nice with the, with technology? There was FaceTime. Um, there was, you could take video and send it out to people right away. So, um, we, we had our eyes on those guys. Um, they did a great job. I think you're going to see a lot of guys that have come back, uh, much better than when they left, uh, in spring training in 2020. Sean, uh, let me ask you a little bit about your own personal managing philosophy. Are you, uh, a, a base to base guy? Are you sitting back waiting for the big bop? Or do you just play with the talent you have presented to you and try to mold your style into what's going to fit best for that athlete in that moment. I think I think the latter is what it is. You know, um, we you, you don't know what the team's going to be like, and so when you get your team, you have to really try to put these guys in situations that best suit them, so they can so they can be successful. So, um, in the past, we've had uh, very athletic players. Um, but we're not we're not base to base. We're 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 still in bases. We're going first and third. Or we're putting pressure on you. Mm. Um, so I, I don't I don't think it matters what kind of athletes you have whether you have really fast guys or guys that maybe aren't as fast. I, I think you put pressure on the other team. Um, you know, in the past I felt like it's kind of a high octane offense. Um, we're gonna we're gonna go take it from you and you're gonna try to stop us. Now at the double A level, you know, catchers are getting better, defenses are getting better, so you might have to um, scale it back just a hair. But uh, Diamondbacks baseball is if if you give us an opportunity, we're gonna take it from you and. Uh, you better be ready to uh, step on the field and and stop us. So, you know, I think we just we really have the thought process of when you play a Diamondbacks organization, like you better bring it. You better bring your A game. Um, you be better be ready to stop all kinds of different scenarios and situations because um, we're going to take it from you. And then on the mound, you know, we're going to go attack the zone. We're going to go after guys. We're not going to pitch scared. And uh, defensively, we're going to take care of the baseball. We're going to go get it. I mean, 
you know, over the past couple of years, we've had some really good outfielders. It seems like every every year I've had, we've had three out, our center fielders playing in, in the outfield. Um, defensively, we've gotten really, really good. We do a great job of preparing our guys and uh, positioning them um, and, and scouting reports and things like that. So, um, yes, you do tailor your, your, your managerial style to the players that you have. But right now, our organization has an influx of athleticism, um, a lot of speed. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have some power. There's a lot of different ways that we can beat you. That's a, that's a unique thing. It's good to hear uh, when you talk about on the mound how to approach. We, we've come into an era of, of pitch counts, which are important. We save kids' arms that way. But, but some of the aggressiveness of pitching has left baseball, major league level, and down through the ranks. Uh, it, it's refreshing to hear somebody say, I'm going to go up here and throw my best stuff. If you hit it, you hit it. If not, but I'm not going to, you know, I'm not going to sit here for two days trying to paint a corner, uh, trying to finesse through. So uh, we can't wait for that brand of baseball to hit the city. We look forward to it. No, you can't pitch scared. That's that's the one thing. And I and I know I know Amarillo is a, a hitter's ballpark, but you know if you execute your pitch and mm-hmm. you're confident and convicted in what you're going to throw, uh, good things happen. And mm-hmm. uh, our guys do a great job with that. And you talked about pitch counts and. You know, guys going deeper in ball games, and how do you go deeper in ball games? Well, you limit the walks, you limit the balls you throw. Um, the more strikes you throw, the the early induced contact to get uh, weak outs and weak ground balls and flyouts and things like that. That'll allow you to get go longer in the game. I know some of our pitchers have gotten mad in the past that, now why are you taking me out after one inning? I was like, well, you threw thirty five pitches. I, I could get them, but hey, if you didn't walk the nine hole, the seven eight nine hole hitter, you get to continue to pitch. So. That kind of mindset is coming up all the way from the very bottom to the top, and uh, you're going to see these guys grow, and, and they're going to attack, and um, it's going to be fun to watch. Yeah. yeah. No, no, Make every pitch count. Yeah. No, hearing about your managerial Absolutely. style, and, you know, you, you, I mean, like I said, big baseball family, you've been in the game at a high level pretty much from an early age. Has your managerial style, like there are certain players you play with or managers you had growing up that kind of shaped that uh, to become the manager you are today? Oh, definitely. I think I think everywhere, everybody you come in contact, you take something from them, whether it's good or bad. You know, hey, I'm gonna, I, you know, I really liked how he ran a clubhouse. I really liked how he uh, ran early work. Or man, that guy, he put too much pressure on the players. Like, if I ever become a manager, like that's not the kind of guy I want to be. But uh, you know, I'm obviously the the, the, the first person that I, t- I take a lot of my managerial style probably from. My intensity is from my dad. You know, watching him manage. You know. Um, he get pretty intense. He get after it, and uh, he—I mean—he works his tail off. And I think that's kind of where, where part of part of my um, background started, or my managerial started, was just watching him go to work every single day. Um, and then I, ha- I had three really good managers with the Tigers that I really, really liked. There's a guy named Andy Barquet I had in Low A, no, excuse me, in High A in Lakeland, Florida. Uh, he was great, and uh, he kept the clubhouse loose. Um, he wanted you to be yourself, and uh, we really got every day. We really worked. We worked hard. Um, you know, we got our work in our 15, 20 minutes of work. It was focused, concentrated work. But when you're done, it was, it was time to have some fun. And then once you went and played the game, um, play loose and, and be yourself. And so I take a lot of that from him. Mm-hmm. You know, Chris Cohn is now our field coordinator uh, with the Diamondbacks. And I had him in Erie, Pennsylvania as my double-A manager. And what I liked about him was his nuance of the game was, was he was really, really good. High baseball IQ. Um, and when I started, when I was with him, I kind of started to realize my career was probably over with. Um, I was just kind of counting down the days until I was going to get released or I had to, no one wanted me to play anymore. So um, he was great. I would always ask him questions. You know, I, I went up to him early in the, in the season. I said, Hey, I, I really like your style of, of game managing. 
um, can I ask you questions? Do you have a problem with if you do a hit and run or you pinch hit for somebody or you bring a bullpen arm in? Can I come up and ask you why you did that if if I don't understand? Like not to question your what you're doing, but I just kind of wanted to understand and, and see what you're thinking. And he was he was great. He said absolutely. So you know I take I take I, I take a lot of things that I've done you know game management from him and trying to teach players along the line as the season goes why maybe you pinch hit for these guys, why you played the infield in, um, why you might intentionally walk a guy. So that's what I get from him. And then I had Phil Nevin, uh, who had me in double-A as well uh, in Erie, Pennsylvania, and he was great. Um, I was I was probably the 24th, 25th man on the roster, <laughs> and he was really good at helping you define your roles. He kind of he pulled me aside, put his arm around me, and said, hey, listen, you know, I want to play you more often. Um, but I just don't have the opportunity. The organization sees you as a, as a 25th guy. You're going to play a couple times a week. I'm going to try to get you in there three times a week. And he did a great job. He'd come in on a Monday and say, listen, we've got a, a left-hander on the mound on Wednesday and Thursday. I'm a, you're going to play those two nights, and I'm going to try to get you in one more time this weekend. Mm-hmm. And so that right there just kind of really relieved a lot of pressure for me. I kind of realized, like, hey, this is my role, and I'm going to get as good as I can at my role. So whenever I'm on Wednesday and Thursday, I'm going to be ready to go. Uh, and then whenever I get my opportunity after that, I'll be ready to go. So just his communication style yeah. was great. And um, trying to make everybody on the team feel important. You know, he made me feel as important as the three-hole hitter or the, the, the starting pitcher. And uh, I thought that was huge for me going forth as a manager. No, it's it's great to hear a manager treat you know every player in the locker room like that, not just you know the, the studs and the and the ones that you know are in the lineup mm-hmm. every day. But uh, obviously, I, I'd have to guess at that point you knew that maybe a major league dream wasn't going to happen. If you know you're you're like not to say anything bad about you or anything, but uh, oh, absolutely. You know, but you know you, you talk about trying to learn more about the, the <laughs> situations of baseball, why a manager is doing this instead of that. Did did managing was it something you always wanted to do or, or like what time in your life did you think that managing would be the route you wanted to go? That's a great question. I, I don't know when it really started to, to kind of go on. I think it probably started, you know, going to the ballpark with my dad, you know, it, when I was seven, eight years old, seeing him put out a lineup, seeing him interact with players. I would sit in the, I would sit in the office whenever he had a tough conversation with guys, you know, I was never in there when they got released, but just kind of seeing that, um, uh, getting to see how you can you can be a leader and affect people's lives, I thought that was huge. And then I think when I was playing in the minor leagues, especially, I thought it would be cliche to go be a minor league manager. You know, that's what dad did. Um, I don't want to be like dad, even though you, every kid wants to be like their father. You know, my dad. You know, who doesn't want to do what their dad wants to do, especially when it comes to baseball? But I was like, you know, maybe I want to do something else in life um, outside of baseball and just not be um, the typical um, follow of your dad, but. Um, as the time went on, as, as I realized I wasn't going to make it to the, to the big leagues, you know, you still have that dream. You still have that love of baseball. And I said, you know, maybe I can't make it to the big leagues as a, as a player, but maybe possibly as a coach or something like that. But I can help other kids maybe not make as many of uh, the same mistakes that I made at an early age. Maybe if you can help them kind of learn at a quicker pace than you did, um, and maybe they'll have a, a quicker path to the big leagues or extend their career. So I realized that there's a possibility there towards the end that, I could maybe stay in this game, maybe not as a manager right away. And then in 2016, I went down to Instructs, and uh, Mike Bell, our former farm director, he told me and another guy are going to co-manage the uh, Instructs. And I just fell in love with every part of it. You know, the game management, um, the communication with the players, the relationships you develop. 
and how it wasn't just what was going on in the field. It was just trying to keep everybody in constant communication, understanding their roles and where they're going to be at from a, from a day-to-day basis. And uh, that's when I really took, t- took a love to really want to manage. And I luckily got the opportunity in two seven, 2017 to do it. And uh, hopefully, you know, get an opportunity to do it for a long time. Sean, uh, it's, it's refreshing to hear you say that one of the biggest tools you have in that box uh, for with your team is communication, knowing where people stand, what their role is. And I think that uh, at any level of sports, that's, that's what anybody wants is just to know where they stand. But looking at the athletes you coach, uh, and we all are, in the, even in this room, we kind of tick off different boxes. How is it different relating to the young player now? How do you relate to that young player? How do you you instill in him that you're there for his best needs, uh, for for him to succeed? How how do you get that point across to your guys? I don't I don't think it's 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 very tough to relate to these players, and maybe because I'm I'm still just I, I feel like I just stopped playing mm-hmm. two weeks ago. You know, I still feel like I'm still their age, but. The big thing with, with relating to players nowadays is, you, first off, you have to build that relationship. Once once they know that you care about them and what you're doing is for their best interest, they will they will buy into pretty much whatever you say. Uh, not whatever you say, but they they will understand that it was for their best benefit. And then you can have those tough conversations. You can't have a tough conversation if you, you don't build that relationship first. So, you know, the big thing is <clears throat> you have to find what, what makes them tick. Why do they want to be a professional baseball? Some guys want to play professional baseball to play in the major leagues. Mm-hmm. Some guys play a professional baseball because mom and dad said that's what they need to do, and they spent a lot of money growing up at their youth, um, and they feel like they're letting them down. Some people just like the lifestyle. So you got to find the reason why they want to, or, or why they want to become a big leaguer. Some like it for because of the money. Some want for the fame. Some want it for because they want to be known as play with the most elite players in the world. So once you learn kind of what their motivation is, you can kind of use that to help mold them and help push them to be better than what they were yesterday. So I think a big thing with, with relating to the players is you got to find what, what makes them tick and then what, what they enjoy in life. So a lot of the conversations I have with them and, and I, what I try to do, and, I, and it doesn't always work, but I try to make a point to try to go have a conversation or or touch every single player every single day. I mean, I know we only have 25 players, so some days it doesn't work. I really don't ever talk to the starting pitcher that day because I let him do his thing, and mm-hmm. um, I'm very superstitious. If I talk to the starting pitcher, <laughs> bad things happen. So um, I leave those guys alone. But, you know, you try to have a conversation with every single day, and a lot of times it has nothing to do with baseball. Mm-hmm. You know, hey, how's your wife doing? How is uh, your kid doing? Um Hey, you went fishing yesterday. You know, how many fish did you catch? Oh, of course you can't catch fish. You're not a good fisher. <laughs> you know, like so you have those conversations. You have those conversations with them, you know, and you want it to, you want it to be loose. You know, you want it to be loose and and I'll be honest with you, a lot of the conversations stem from music and video games. Yeah. That's the two things that the guys really like to do. <laughs> um, or, you know, I like to eat. So what restaurants do you like to? What do you yeah. have for lunch today? And uh, you know, I think that's kind of where you try to, that's, I think that's how I try to um, get in with the players and build that relationship is, is just kind of find their, their interests in life and just run with it, mm-hmm. you know, and then just ask a lot of questions and let them talk. Yeah. And when you let them talk, man, you can find a lot about what they have going on in their brains and their lives and uh, 
what their future goals are for themselves. Well, I think you and I will get along with the video games, and <laughs> you and Amarillo will get along with the eating. Yeah, the restaurants. Yeah. <laughs> there, there are, yeah. there are there plenty go. of, like, that's yeah. one thing you want to worry about here in Amarillo. There are plenty of great uh, I've got a couple places, places to eat. for you yeah. when you get town. Yeah. I've got a couple. <laughs> oh, man. I can't wait. A couple of my favorites. Yeah. <laughs> you talk about trying to relate with these players, and, and there's a lot of new blood in the Diamondbacks organization mm-hmm. the last few years. You know, the trades of Paul Goldschmidt and Zach Greinke had a lot of draft picks. I think it was, what, uh, 2019, Diamondbacks had seven picks in the first 75, so they've really restocked this system. A lot of people really like what they've done. You guys got a a top five or top ten system, depending on how you look. Where do you see the Diamondbacks as a major league team being in the next four or five years, based on the type of talent that they've been able to stock up with right now? Yeah, you're right. Mike Hazen and his staff and our our international scouts, amateur scouts and and professional scouts have done a Tremendous job um, with the influx of talent that we've had. You know, we have some very high-end prospects, uh, which everybody wants, but we also have some just next-tier-down prospects that we're really deep with, you know. So it's a, it's a really fun time to be in this organization. You know, I think our, our, our Major League team has a chance to be really good this year. Uh, we have a really good roster, um, both on the offensive and defensive side and, and as well as hitting. I mean, offensive, defense, and pitching side. So, um, you know, I think they're looking to uh, shock the world, um, and I think they're going to do some great things this year. But just what we have coming up in the system, you know, they're starting to really filter up to the top. You're going to see a lot of just really power arms, um, guys that can really pitch, um, guys that are a lot of college guys that, uh, you know, played at high, high elite programs and played in big-time tournament or big-time programs and, you know, played in college World Series and things like that. So they've had that pressure. They've, they've won ball games, so they know how to win. Offensively, you know, just just the athleticism, the athleticism, speed, um, power. We have some guys that can really play, and uh, you know, if these guys, if we can continue to develop these guys, and they can continue to develop at a, at a fast pace, we're looking at a team that we're, we're hoping the next four or five years are um, competing for a World Series up there in Arizona. Well, I know, Sean, we're very excited to have you on the podcast today. We're very excited to have you come to Amarillo and manage uh, the Saw Poodles. We're, we're ready for baseball again yes, here please. in 2021 after missing uh, 2020. Uh, I do want to talk to you about one more thing, though, uh, Sean. You know, uh, you and I were talking a bit uh, last week. Just so happens that you played your college ball in a town that I pretty much grew up in, you know, Champaign-Urbana there in Illinois. I'm a big U of I fan. And funny enough, uh, when you were playing your ball at the University of Illinois, I was working at WDWS, WHMS Radio, which is still the flagship home for Fighting Illini Athletics. We carry the basketball, the football, the women's basketball. You know, we even do wrestling and soccer and softball, and we carried all the baseball games. And the guys that you got to know there in college, Sean, I worked with, you know, uh, Brian Barnhart, Jim Turpin, Eric Loy, and... uh, my buddy Dave Lone, who I think is here right now. <laughs> Dave Lone, what's up, man? One ball, no strikes. Here's the pitch. <laughs> Roof gets drilled by a fastball, and the human pincushion will go to first, and the Illini have the lead runner aboard. Holy Kamoli, how you doing, Sean? What's <laughs> your man? It's been a while since I heard that, man. I'm just about I'm not going to hit my uh, anymore. <laughs> how's, uh, how's retirement treating you? Uh, it's very good. Uh, it's very good. We live in uh, West Michigan, uh, you know, given your background. I don't know if you were in between Muskegon and Ludington. 
so over by Silver Lake and the sand dunes. So uh, it's treating me very good. That's awesome. Yeah, it's been it's been ages, but, man. You know the the sod puddles are um, <laughs> are getting a manager that's got not only a great baseball heritage, first of all, but a great baseball mind. Mm-hmm. You know, this guy likes to move runners, and uh, I think uh, the Diamondbacks are uh, lucky to have them in their association and their organization, and uh, Amarillo is getting a really good manager for their ball club down there, that's for sure. Uh, I, I'll have to agree with you. I uh, I uh, am, am kind of uh, overjoyed. I mean, I saw the press conference the other day that we got to go to. We thought about this because we had Philip Wellman. He's a character all into himself. But in today's baseball, one of the, in any sporting event or in any business you're in, uh, you've got to have somewhat of a, uh, a social presence, social media, media presence, that sort of stuff, and and and. Some managers don't want to have that. They don't want to hear that. They they think it's all just about the X's and O's, and they don't understand how this ties into their team and the growth of their team. If you know your second baseman's on TikTok and does a silly dance, and you can address it, you know you can make fun of it. It's part of it's part of what they do now, and so it's exciting to hear Sean and the and his voice and his words and the way he's looking at it. We're going to get good talent. That's the key. We're going to see some talented baseball here. We're going to see some winning baseball here. But we know the object is to get these guys to the next level. And and that's what's exciting, that any night I can watch a potential Hall of Famer or an, a potential All-Star, a potential Cy Young winner. Uh, any night out there, I could have that potential to see that here in the Admiral Sod Pools. Well, it'd be, it'd be right. fun I'll, to go I'll to the ballpark. That. You know, with a team that's managed by Sean Roof, that's for sure. I I mean, easy to say. Easy to say. I tell you what, though, if our second baseman is on TikTok doing dances, he's going to get crushed. Before the stretch. I put it on the, on the, on the, uh, the scoreboard. But, uh, no, you're right about the social media. And, and I, we had a manager named JR House a couple of years ago, and he talked about. You know, he used social media to get into people's head, his, his players' heads. Mm-hmm. You know, he, he'd post something, you know, retweet something that he saw on uh, on Twitter or something like that that he thought it might be perfect for the shortstop or the starting pitcher that next night and just about confidence or um, playing the game the right way or whatever it was. And, and, and it's, a, it's a tremendous tool that you can use. It's also a tool that, that these guys can get in a lot of trouble with. Yeah. Uh, you know, so we make sure that they understand that, hey, you have a responsibility um, even though you're in the minor leagues, people are looking at you. Um, you are somewhat of a celebrity um, to a certain extent. And uh, you have to be smart with what uh, what you post out there. Um, you are a brand. And uh, not only are you representing yourself, you're representing your family and the organization as well. But, uh, no, it's a tremendous tool to use. Um, I don't post a lot of things on, on social media. Um, but... If you have to have to use it to your advantage, use it because that might be the that might be the thing that helps get that player to the next level. Yeah, d- definitely. And uh, and and Dave Lone, uh, former play-by-play uh, Illini baseball voice uh, at WDWS. I'm glad he could join us today. And, and funny enough, you opened up with a mock play-by-play of you getting beamed <laughs> because I believe Sean, you're still the all-time leader at the U of I with hit-by-pitches. Is that 
<laughs> which is how do you feel about holding that record at the college? <laughs> hey, I tell you what, I, I when I left college, I wanted to have some records, and I knew I was going to have it by getting or hitting uh, hitting the baseball or hitting home runs. So I figured I had to do it somehow, <laughs> way or another. But uh, you know, it's funny. I, I I really struggled with hitting the fastball in. I couldn't hit fastballs in. I couldn't pull the ball, so I just got on top of the plate. And anytime they threw it in on me, I just put my elbow out. Hey, um, that was pre pre Evo shields and, and body armor, and uh, just try to get on base. And I knew if I could get on base somehow, that I could help the team uh, win a ball game. So. Yeah. Um, well, I hope, yeah, now, you know, and um, Sean talks about that philosophy, and uh, he played for you played for Itch, right? Or was so, Danny the head coach by then? Uh, two years of Itch and two years of, of Coach Harlow. Okay, well, Hartlib was a catcher, so we'll forgive him. No, we just had a nice Zoom chat with the uh, Lanai Ball Club from 2011 uh, the other night, which uh, shared the Big Ten championship with Michigan State regular season, Mm -hmm. won the tournament over Michigan State, and then went to, uh, of all places, uh, Augie's old ballpark and uh, and, uh, participated in the regional and eliminated Fullerton. Mm -hmm. And... uh, so, you know, Sean's personification of what Illinois baseball is all about, and I, I know this segment isn't uh, to promote Illinois baseball, it's to promote, you know, the the sod poodles, but, uh, you know, Roof was the kind of player that Itch liked. Mm-hmm. Am I right, Sean? I would agree with that. Yes, sir. Well, I think it's yeah. very, very cool, uh, Dave, that you're able to call in and, and, and join us today. And uh, funny enough, you know, before we started recording, I, I you know, get, like Sean found out that I was from there and, I, and that I worked there. He was like, hey, you know Dave Lone? And I was like, well, I don't want to tell you what I got planned. But yeah, but yeah, I do know. I, I do know Dave Lone. Set him up. Yeah. Uh, well, 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 one thing I do want to ask you about uh, before we wrap things up here, Sean, and I wanted Dave on for this because I, I was looking at your minor league career. And there was one stat that stuck out to me, and, and one is the operative word here. You just hit one home run in your minor league career. Is that correct? That's correct. And, yeah. and I'm assuming because you hit going this way. Yeah, because you hit one, you probably remember it really well. First of all, I know you were a speedster. Was it an inside the parker or was it over the fence? Come on, man! I got more power than that. It was. I'll, I'll tell you this: it was a. It was a bomb in my mind. It was a bomb. And, uh, it's still going. It bomb. It's still no, traveling it's, it's right still now. It, it's on Mars right now. That that new it's rover on going. Mars found it, right? You know. Exactly. It's actually, it's actually kind of a funny story. I'll, I'll have to say it because because it was my only one. So, but it was the last game of the season uh, in 2010, I think it was. And I tried to break up a double play the night before. And uh, I like going hard in the second base. And I like to flip the middle infielders because mm-hmm. that was a lot of fun to do. But the, the second baseman went back instead of going forward. I anticipated him going forward. So I, at the last second, I slid in late and I blew my quad out. Ooh. And so the next day, the next day, we, we, we had like a 10 minute walk from the hotel to the, to the field. Well, it took me an hour and 45 minutes mm. to get there with this blown-out quad. Ooh. And uh, I, I told the manager, like, man, I can't play today. He's like, you have to. We have nobody. I'm like, I, I can't walk. And he's like, well, you're just going to have to go out there and just stand out there. I'm like, okay. So I kind of <laughs> hobbled out there and started running around. I started feeling good and um, had two infield singles uh, <laughs> before that. And then 
Um, I hit the ball to center field for a home run, but when I hit the ball, my helmet went over my eyes, and I had no clue where the ball went. And so, like, I'm looking to I'm I'm looking to left field, I'm looking to, to right, and then I see the center fielder running back. And I'm like, oh my god, the wind's blowing out a little bit. This might have a chance. And yeah, I hit it. And uh, the coolest thing of all was just to see my teammates at the top of the dugout. You know, I mean, they always made fun of me having no power, but you know, I think they were they were. They were uh, they were happier than I am just to see the smiles on their faces and uh, you know see them jumping up and down. That that's the experience in the minor leagues that yeah. you really enjoy. Just that camaraderie that you have and to see your buddy do well and uh, celebrate it uh, was pretty cool. Did, did you sprint around the bases or did you jog? Just, like, did you know what to do? You slow walking. <sighs> My God, I, I probably I probably sprinted. You know? um, I, I probably did. I, I, I probably hit first base and just went back to the dugout because that was what I was so used to <laughs> <laughs> you know? making out. You know, I I did, I, I would have slow walked it. Yeah, I, I would have you know dropped one arm and slow walked it. You know, like it's 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 my first one. Bear with yeah, me here. I'm, enjo- me, I'm enjoying this. I'm gonna one, soak you know? in. <laughs> been to this end. That's a funny story. Well, well, well Sean. I, uh, I showed up. <laughs> uh, Sean Roof, a new manager of the Amarillo Saw Poodles. Uh, we're getting ready to play some ball. Yes. May 4th is the double A opener. May 18th is the Hodgetown opener. And a uh, former play by play voice of Illini baseball, Dave Lone, uh, calling in from Michigan this morning. Hey, thanks for making an appearance, Dave, and I uh, hope you are doing well up there. We're doing great, and it's uh, such a privilege to talk to Sean once again. Mm-hmm. You know, he was uh, uh, one of the toughest players I've ever seen, and I know he's going to be a good manager for the Sod Poodles. And who knows? Maybe I'm getting married in June, or no, I'm old, but I'm getting married. <laughs> but we're maybe going to come down and. Uh, uh, honeymoon and see a ball game down there. Hey, We'd it, love to definitely. Do that. Let us know if you do that yeah, for sure. It's, it's, a, it's a, both of you. Sean, have you been to Amarillo yet? I have not. I cannot <laughs> wait. I've heard so many great things, and I just can't wait to immerse myself in the city and the culture. When you see your new office, you're going to be blown away. It's, it's just a, <laughs> it's a diamond in the rough. It's a beautiful ballpark. The people here in Amarillo are really laid back, and if if you're decent. We treat you decent. There's never anybody that won't say hi to you. And uh, you're going to enjoy West Texas. You're going to enjoy Amarillo. But like I said, that ballpark, uh, the first night of opening night last year, or two years ago, Tom and I went out and walked the whole park before the game started. And uh, the whole night we were oohing and on about just how beautiful this stands out and how how well it was designed. You're going to enjoy your new office for the next uh, five to ten years or until you get up to the bigs and you start calling the Diamondbacks. Yeah. So when you start up uh, riff, uh, yeah, yeah, don't, uh, don't forget about them. us when you're winning World Series yeah, well, titles. You, well, and stuff. Well, let's, 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 let's just get to Amarillo first. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> One step at a time, uh, One step let's, not, let's not get fired before I, I actually step foot there in the video. So. So. No, the, I know, the, I know the, and the picture are beautiful. I know it doesn't do a half but uh, you know one one thing is that you know we're excited the facilities are great it's going to be great for our players to develop there over the next 10 years and uh, Dave if you come down for your honeymoon, we'll guarantee you a win. All right, brother? All right. All right. All right. All right. I love That's it. all that I can ask. <laughs> so, Sean Roof, uh, new manager of the Amarillo Saw Poodles and uh, former play-by-play voice of Fighting Illini Baseball, Dave Lona, on the podcast. So, guys, thank you very much and looking forward to uh, baseball here in Amarillo very soon. This has been the Tom Talks Baseball Podcast. I'm Tom Young. I'm David Lovejoy. And we will talk to you again next week on the podcast. Have a good week. Baseball.